Merry Christmas! Everybody that got here knew they were like, what is happening right now? But that is okay because we are on day two. Turn to the person next to you and let them know this is day two. Girl, you look like too serious right now. You, you have got a real... Are you okay? Did you get too much sun today? No, She's like, why are you talking to me right now? What's going on? So today is all about what, matter of fact, you know what, I, I don't need to talk. You guys have the booklets. What, what is today about? What is that all, all that jazz? Miracle of the method, yes, because of course, in Christmas, there are always these different gifts, and we talked about yesterday and how there's the gift of the moment where Jesus came, and then also now we're talking about his methods, and when I think of that, I think he's got a plan. So, turn to the person behind you. Let them know, he got a plan. He got a plan. And when we think about that, we're going to look at James 1, 2 through 4. And it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Okay, a couple of uh, summers ago, I'll never forget it. It was like, oh, snap, it was like three summers ago, right? So I was preparing to like go and speak at all these camps this summer. And so my wife, she's like all about me making sure because she doesn't like to go to camp. She went to one camp. And a bug flew on her, and she was just like, I'm done. Peace. And so she always makes sure that before I go during the summer, I always have a honey to-do list. Now, if you do not know what a honey to-do list is, it is a list of things that your wife gives you. And before she gives you, she says, hey, honey, here's a list of things that you got to do. And if you are a dude and you don't do that list, you are in trouble. So... She gave me this big, long list before I started my summer. And in that summer, I had, out of June, I had two camps I was going to go to. And then at the end of June, I was going to take a missions trip to Italy, where we're going to be climbing around all these different rocks and whatnot. So I was excited. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be gone a lot. I've got to get done with this honey to-do list. Now, you have to understand, my wife, she does not procrastinate, okay? She is on the ball. So she gave me this list two months in advance. Guess when I decided to do this list? The day before. So it's about a week before I was about to leave for camp. And I was like, okay, I got to get this list done. And so as I am going, oh, snap, you know what? I just thought about something. So I, I'm going to be telling this story, but I'm going to bring it up because you guys need a visual for this. So let me see if I can find a visual for it. Some of you are not going to like me after this, but I apologize. But it proves a point. Let's see here. You know what? Talk amongst yourselves right now. Talk, talk. Oh, snap. Okay. I like that kind of talk. Oh, it was just yesterday. Uh, oh, a year ago. Oh, snap. Okay. I see what you're saying now. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, sad. I'm sorry you guys didn't make it. You are here now. Yes, that is true. Oh, my gosh. I can't find it. Oh, you guys are lucky. 
I was about to like damage some. Oh, snap, I did find it. Okay, you guys are in trouble. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance. Okay, so here's the deal. So I start doing this list now. Now, one of these lists, uh, one of the things I had to do on the list was I was supposed to carry some boxes down to the basement to clean out this room. And so as I am doing this, I am like, my wife is upstairs, and she's watching, like, uh, Special Victims Unit. I don't even know. There's a whole bunch of, like, criminal minds and all that jazz. I don't understand what she's watching. But anywho, she's upstairs. She's watching her show. I'm carrying one of these boxes downstairs, and then all of a sudden, I can feel my feet slip underneath me. And as I was falling back, in my mind, this is all happening in very slow motion, okay? So I'm thinking to myself, oh, snap, Terrence, you are a ninja. You can catch yourself. Because I was making sure that I do not hit the back of my head. Because you got to understand, this is my moneymaker back here, okay? If I don't have this, I am done for. And so I was like, I just have to catch myself before I hit my head on the steps. So being the ninja that I am, I caught myself before my head hit the steps. But what I did not catch was my feet going up in the air. And as they went up in the air, my foot hit the banister. And when it hit the banister, I felt a pain like I have never felt before. And so I jumped up on my feet, and automatically I started praying. I was like, oh, Jesus. And so in this moment when I stood up, I was like, ooh, snap, that doesn't feel really good. And so I sat back down. Now I'm thinking to myself, okay, Terrence, you cannot look at your foot. Because if I look at my foot, it's going to make it ten times worse. It's probably nothing. It's probably just a little, like, cut or something. I'll be good. And so, oh, you guys are already getting grossed out by the story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, I, I, it'll clean it up, I promise. <laughs> he's, he's like, we're just going to the bathroom. Jeez. So... I, I'm like, okay, I can't look at this. Maybe it's just like a scratch or something. I'll be okay. And so I'm just like, all right, maybe, maybe my wife, she could take a look at it. My wife, she's like, want to make sure we don't spend any money. Like one time, my arm fell off. She's like, don't worry. Put some Robitussin on it. You'll be good. And so I knew it wasn't going to be that serious. So I was like, hey, hey, can you, can you come down here? And she's like, what? I'm watching my show. And she came downstairs, and she looked at my foot, and she goes, oh. Oh, I was like, what do you think? Should I go to the hospital? And she goes, yeah, you better go to the hospital. And I'm like, okay, okay, Terrence, it is not that bad. It is not that bad. And so my friend, he drove over. He took me to the hospital. He carried me inside his car. I got out in the hospital. They got me into a wheelchair, and they wheeled me into a room. And the doctor comes in, and he looks at it, and he goes, oh, you know what? Okay, there are two options that we can do here. Option number one. I could go, I could get a needle, and then we could come back. We can put your, the needle, in which will have morphine in it, and will numb up your toe, and then we'll just pop it back into place, and you won't feel anything. Or he goes, I could just take your toe right now and just pull it back into place. It'll only take about five minutes. And I said to myself, I am a man, okay? I could do this. I don't need no morphine to do this. And so I said, do what you got to do. And he goes, okay. And the nurse right there, and she goes, honey, are you sure? I was like, woman, don't question me. I know what I want. And so he was like, all right, here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. And he pulled on my toe, and I was like, oh! 
I was like, whoa. And he goes, um, you know, we got to try this one more time, one more time. I was like, all right. And he did it again, and I started screaming. And he goes, you know what? We need to take this into an x-ray. Come to find out that I had broken my toe and the bone got stuck beneath my other toe. And just so you guys know, it looked a little something like this. Yes, yes. You know what? I got to make sure the people in the back get it. So let's, let's make sure it's real. That's a real story. Oh, it happened. It happened. It's a real story. Yes, it, it happened. It was not good. It was not good. It hurt a lot. Oh, wow, you got up close and personal. Okay. This is a real story, and it really happened. So my toe was broke, and the next day they wheeled me into surgery. They cut open my toe until today. I even have a scar that goes up my toe, and I remember I am sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm not going to be able to, like, go to camps. I'm not going to be able to lead this mission trip to Italy. I'm starting to freak out because they're like, all right, Terrence, you're going to have to have your foot in a boot for about six eight weeks at minimum. I'm like, there is no way I'm going to be able to pull this off. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do. So, like, this whole time, I'm like, okay, God, I, I got to do this, right? Because my, my whole, like, income is based off of me going to places. And I was like, I cannot just not go. And so I'm praying this whole time. I'm like, Lord, please help me. I don't know what to do. I got to be able to walk. I got to be able to do these things. And it was a couple weeks later as I struggled through each and every camp. And right before I was supposed to go on the mission trip, I took the boot off and I was able to walk. And the doctors go, that is impossible that that happened. They're like, you're supposed to be in the boot for another couple of weeks. And that's how I knew God is good. Now, what does this have to deal with going through trials and, and perseverance? I have no idea. Okay? I don't know why God would want me to go through that trial. I don't know why God let that trial happen. Let me re-clarify. God does not, like, put trials in front of you and goes, whoa, I hope this happens for you. That doesn't happen like that. We just go through things in our life. I don't know why I went through the things that I went through in life. So if you have come today and you're just like, Terrence, tell me, how do I get through adversity? How, why is God doing this? What does God want me to learn from this? I have no idea. Things happen in life, period. We all have bad things that are going to happen. And I cannot sit here and tell you, hey, this is the reason why. There is some big, awesome reason why God has put you through the things that he has put you through. No, I can't tell you that. Matter of fact, did you guys know that during the... Um, when Christians were, were first starting to spread, and uh, the Romans, what they did is when they started to find out about all these Christians, what they used to do is they would take these early Christians, and then they would throw them in pits with lions. And they would watch lions rip these people to shreds. Now, when we talk about in our life how we all, like, think, okay, God has got this awesome plan, and maybe for me, I'm supposed to go out and do all these awesome things. And when bad things happen, we start to maybe consider, maybe God doesn't have anything for me, or, or, or maybe there's really no big purpose. And when I think about that, I think about those Christians that were in the lion's den, that are about to be eaten. 
What must they have been thinking at that point in time? I decided that I was going to follow Jesus, and now I am in this pit. Can you imagine the conversation that must have happened? A Roman guard comes up to him and is like, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, man, man, he's awesome. Okay, we're going to throw you in a pit with a line. Okay, first of all, I only heard this about Paul. Paul just told me, and I said, okay, that sounds cool. I don't even know if I'm really committed to this whole movement yet. Like, if that was me, I would be terrified in these moments. But you have to go back to what they are saying in James. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. It is hard to have joy when you're about to be fed to a lion. It was hard to have joy when I'm on the table about to have surgery on my foot. What am I supposed to learn through those things? What were they supposed to learn? What were they supposed to take out of these moments? What are, what are you supposed to take out of the things that you are going through right now and how some of you are suffering, so how some of you, you don't know why what has happened in your life has happened. What are you supposed to take out of it? I don't know. Was that my paper? Oh, I was like, am I missing something? Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, why? No. See, one of the things... <laughs> I got stuff I still need to do. You have to know that when trials happen, what does it produce? Let, let's not even be spiritual about it. When bad things happen in our life, how do we feel? You feel angry, worried, there's confusion. For some of us, there might even be guilt, like I did this. What have I done to cause this? And also, it produces sadness. So when we have trials in our life, it's hard to have joy when you are scared. It is hard to have joy when you feel like this was supposed to happen to you and there's no way out. And when we don't have joy in something, that means we suffer. And when you suffer, let's be I'm going to be real about it. For some of us, we start to go deeper into our depression. For some of us, we start to close off from other people. And even it produces sometimes in some of us a doubting God. Do you think God wants you to be depressed? Do you think that God wants you to doubt him? Do you think God wants you to live in fear? Of course not. So why is, why is this in James so important? It's simple. We all are going to struggle. There is not a person in here who is not going to struggle in their life. It happens. So James is telling you, look, you need to have joy in this. Why? It's simple. 
Because if you can see, not the reason, not say, hey, God, what is the big reason on it? But maybe it's more of a personal reason. Maybe I know for me, when I had gone through all of that, when I am on my toe, I will tell you guys right now today, I don't know what God's big reason for it was, but I can tell you this, every time I can walk, I'm like, praise God. I'm like, God, I remember that. Every single time I look at my toe, I'm like, wow, God, you are so, I can't believe I'm walking right now. I could have, I've fallen down the steps plenty of times ever since then. I am so glad that that has not happened. What does that produce in me? That produces in me a great joy that I know that despite that happened, God was still good in my life. I don't know what the big reason was, but I know what the reason was for me, and it drew me closer to God. Maybe, just maybe, we should have joy in these things is because in those moments, we draw closer to God. Why? Because you can't do it by yourself. It's impossible. Nobody can live life by themselves. So, in order to have joy, in order to persevere, number one, you have to accept suffering. You got to accept the fact you're going to suffer. Now, don't get me wrong. Suffering does not mean your acceptance of it does not mean defeat. That is not what that means. But suffering and accepting of it is just being aware that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, matter of fact, uh, in, let's see here, Matthew 26, 36 through 39. This is right before Jesus is about to be crucified. It says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I'll go over there and pray. And so he took Peter and two others along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. I think sometimes we, we get the wrong idea about Jesus. It wasn't like he was just like, Yay, I'm going to die for these people. This is awesome. I'm about to be crucified. Nope. He... Remember, as much as he was God, he was man. What does that say? He was scared. This is really going to be painful. He was not excited about it in the physical at all. And what did he do? He drew away from the others and he prayed. And he said, God, I need you in this moment. Let me know if this is what you will definitely want me to If there's any other way, let me know right now. But... I want your way and not mine. He accepted what was put in front of him. You, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what you're going through. But you have to accept there are going to be some bad things that happen. Case in point, did you guys know uh, it was in 2003, there was a guy named Aaron. Aaron was a rock climber, and he was climbing rocks, and he liked to do this by himself. And so he would go through these canyons, and he would start to climb rocks. And there was one time when he went through this canyon, and he was climbing this rock, and he, the, the rocks fell beneath him, and he fell straight down. And when he fell straight down, a big boulder landed right on his arm. Nobody was around. He started to scream for help. Help, help, help. Nobody was around. 
Nobody came. He sat there for over a day. No water, nothing to eat. And there was a point at 27 hours that he was down there, he decided that he needed to do something. And so he took out his pocket knife, and he began to cut off his arm. He cut through the skin. He cut through the muscles. And he began cutting through the bone as well in agony and pain. He cut all the way through it, and he was able to free himself. Or there was a lady uh, in, uh, I want to say it was Jamaica, and they were going, uh, going ziplining. And right before she was about to go ziplining, uh, they saw in the water, it was like, croc infested. And this was part of the thing where you can go zip lining over the, the croc infested waters. You can see the crocodiles as you're going zip lining. The minute that she went zip lining, her zip line broke. She fell into the water, broke her collarbone, and the only way out was swimming, swimming to the other side to the beach to get herself out. She swam through croc infested waters with a broken collarbone, and she made it to the beach. What do these two people have in common? After each one experienced what they experienced, everybody said the same exact thing. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. When we are suffering, remember, it can be worse. <laughs> it is okay. You are going to make it through. If my man Aaron can make it through 127 hours and cut his own arm off, and if he can say it could be worse, I'm pretty sure for a lot of us in our situations, it could be worse. But God still shows up. God still says, come to me, come towards me, and I will be with you always. Doesn't mean he's going to get you out of everything, but it just means, hey, I am there. You draw closer to me. And any time that you are close to the Lord, you are close to heaven. You are close to the glory. You are close to the, the man that made the heavens and the earth. Doesn't matter what happens. He loves you. And in his presence, all things are made good. Number two, define joy in the things that we do. You have to commit to the path that you're going through. Uh, matter of fact, there was, um, there's this thing called uh, the sunk cost. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of sunk cost. Basically, what that means is this, is when you are going, let's say you're going to the store, right? And you've got to go get some milk. And so you go to the store to get this, this uh, I was going to say a box of milk, but that's weird. Uh, <laughs> a gallon of milk, let's say. And you get to the store and the store is closed. And the next door, let's say we're living around here, the next door is 50 miles away. And at this point, you go, you know what? I don't really need milk today. We'll get it later tomorrow. And so you go back. Why? Because you, don't, you feel like you have wasted that time going to the store, and you don't want to waste more of your time. It's a sunk cost. You spent it, and you got nothing out of it. But I tell you this, that when you go towards Jesus, there are no sunk costs. 
You have not wasted your time. Even if you feel like you have to go back, there is greatness in that. Uh, there is this lady who, um, when she was, uh, had a fiancé, and she had just graduated high school, and the plan was that she was going uh, to get married with him in the middle of the summer. But before she was getting married, she had this feeling that she needed to go uh, on a missions trip. And she was like, I know we're in the midst of planning this wedding, but I really feel like I need to do this mission trip. And he was just like, okay, sure, no problem. How about you go, you spend a couple weeks there, and then when you come back, we're going to get married. She said, great. She went on this mission trip, and after a couple weeks, she felt like God was telling her to stay just a little bit longer. And she was just like, she wrote to her husband-to-be, and she goes, hey, I'm sorry, but if you can give me just a couple more weeks, then, then I will be ready to get married. He goes, okay, no problem. You have a couple more weeks. After a month and a half, she still felt like there was a little bit more that she needed to do. And so she wrote to her fiance, and she goes, hey, I, I just need just a couple more weeks, and I'll be ready. And then he wrote to her, and he said, don't worry. You can stay where you're at. I found somebody else. So that lady stayed where she was at. And she took what had happened, and she said, God, there must be a reason for that. And she didn't just stay for a year. She didn't just stay for 10 years. She stayed the rest of her entire life, and she made a huge difference. Hundreds of thousands of people were changed. Mother Teresa did not look back and say that she wasted her time. She took where God had placed her, and she didn't think it was all for nothing, but she kept on going through it. And by doing so, other people were blessed by it. You have to be committed. Even though trouble may come up, even though some of us are going to go out of, this, out of this, week, this week and say, man, I'm fully, I'm going after God and I'm going to do the things that he has called me to do. But when things happen, when people tell you, hey, I don't want to see you no more. I'm not going to go to church with you. That's dumb. And you have to sit at a lunch table by yourself. God is telling you right now, keep going. Don't stop. Don't go back to where you were at. Don't go back to being what you were. There's a reason why you're going through it. And even though you don't see the reason, you don't have to see where you're going. Just know that where you're at is I am with you. And you can have joy in that because you're drawing closer to the Lord. Last but not least, if we want to have joy, we have to surround ourselves with people who will encourage you when you're going through tough times. Um, it was maybe a couple, maybe about four summers ago now. I'll never forget it. I was going to this camp, and it was in Nebraska. And first of all, why is every single camp in the woods? I'm like, shoot. I've seen this movie before. Black guy dies first. I'm staying inside. So it was Thursday night. All of a sudden, I get done with this message. I'm high-fiving people. Next thing I know, this 12-year-old boy comes walking up to me. And he goes, uh, Pastor Terrence, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure, man. What's up? And he goes, 
can I talk to you in private? And I'm like, okay. And so he begins to go outside, and I begin to follow him. Next thing I know, he begins to go in the woods. And I'm like, hey, 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 little boy, you come back here. Let me tell you something. You are a little boy. I am a grown man. I ain't going in the woods with you. We're going to stay right here. What's up? He looks at me, and he goes, Terrence, do you have an older brother? And the minute he said that, I started to bawl. Because, see, what you have to understand is I do have an older brother. I have two older brothers. And uh, my older brother, Bug, when he was 15 years old, he got a girl pregnant. And he wanted to be a good dad. So at 15 years old, he dropped out of school and he got a job in order to take care of his new family. But at 15 years old, you can't take care of a family by yourself. And so my brother struggled for years and years and years until he became 20, 21 years old. And the best way he thought he could take care of his family was by joining the military. Now, don't get me wrong. There are great reasons to join, and we need more people to serve our country. But my brother thought that the best way that he can financially support his family was by enlisting. It was three months after my brother enlisted. That's when 9-11 happened. And I'll never forget, I'm in the kitchen with my mom. We're watching TV, and my mom is bawling because she knows her baby's going off to war. Now, I don't know if you have ever had family members or friends be deployed, but you don't know when they're coming back. You don't know if they were coming back. And so there was two years where I didn't get to talk to my brother. I didn't get to see my brother until one day he showed up for some random Christmas or Thanksgiving. And I was so excited to talk to him that the first words out of my mouth when we finally had time to sit down was, have you ever killed somebody before? My brother looked at me, and he goes, Terrence, what do you think? He began to explain to me some of the things that he had to do while he was over there. He began to tell me about some of the things that he saw. And then he told me about his brother, or his friend. And he goes, both of us were assigned to drive Humvees in the line of Humvees. And one of us had to drive the first Humvee in the line, and one of us had to drive the last Humvee in the line. And a lot of people know the last Humvee in the line, you have some of the most responsibility. Because not only do you have to watch out for everybody else's back, but you have to watch your own back as well. And so he's thinking, I'm being a good friend. So he goes, you can drive the first one, I'll drive the last one. And that's when my brother saw his friend drive over a mine and blow up right in front of his face. Now my brother, he didn't get all emotional because he goes, in the military, they teach you, you can't get emotional because when you get emotional, that's when you put yourself in danger and everybody else in your unit in danger as well. And you just have to keep going with the mission. My brother served in the military for about 12, 13 years, and when he finally got out, he took that same mentality of not talking about the things that he had been through, and he applied that to his civilian life, and he dealt a lot with post-traumatic stress. Now, I don't know if you guys know a lot about post-traumatic stress, but it's when you go through a traumatic event in your life and you don't know how to talk about it. And so my brother, a lot of people, they'll go towards drinking or drugs to self-medicate themselves. And so my brother, he got in trouble with the law, and pretty soon he was faced with going to prison for over 10 years. Now, I got to tell you, I talk to students across the country about not giving up. But when it came to my own brother, I always had a hard time because it was my older brother. 
And I looked up to him. The day before he was about to be sentenced, he gave me a phone call. And I struggled throughout the whole conversation. But at the end of it, I just said, hey, man, I love you. He goes, I love you too, Terrence. Hung up the phone. It was three hours later, I got the phone call. My brother gave up on the hope of life. I felt so guilty. I wrongly felt like it was my fault. I felt like if I didn't say something more, that maybe that would have saved my brother. And so when this 12-year-old kid is sitting here and he's asking me if I have an older brother, I'm sitting here and I'm crying and I tell him what just happened the summer before. And then all of a sudden he goes, Terrence, I have an older brother too. He's 21 years old and he drinks and he does drugs every single day. I don't know what to do. So I got down on my knees. I looked that kid in his eyes and I go, as soon as you get home, you tell your brother that you love him. You tell your brother that you want him to stop and you believe that Jesus loves him and Jesus has a plan for him and Jesus has hope for him. You tell him. And he goes, I will, Terrence. I will. That was on a Thursday night. Monday morning, I get a Facebook message from this kid. And he goes, Terrence, I just had to tell you that I had the hardest conversation of my life with my brother this weekend. But I told him everything that you told me to tell him. I told him that I loved him. I told him that I wanted him to stop. And I told him that Jesus loved him and Jesus, that there's hope for him. And he goes, my brother cried throughout the whole conversation. And as soon as I got done, he said, I didn't know somebody loved me like that. So he goes, Terrence, at that moment, my brother decided he was done. He was done drinking. He was done giving, doing drugs, and he goes, right there, he gave his life to Jesus. And he goes, that night, I got to go with my brother to a treatment center to turn himself in so he wouldn't do it anymore. And at the end of this Facebook message, he put, praise God. I don't know why some of you have experienced the pain and hurt that you have gone through. I don't know what it is you're supposed to learn from it. But I do know this, that when you have pain and then when you have hurt, if you bring that to God, then he will make a purpose for it. Then he can do something about it. But you cannot hold it in. You can't think, why me? You can't take and feel guilty, but you just go and you give it to him and you say, I need you to do something with this. I never thought that in that moment as I am reading that Facebook message and I just kept reading over and over how he said, praise God. I just kept thinking to myself, I did not know. That the moment I brought my story to God, that he would use it to save somebody else's life. And from that point on, God put in me a mission. He gave me an idea to put this book together. And so for the past couple of years, 
we've been putting this book together called Secrets Anonymous, where we're taking student secrets from across the country, and we're putting them in a book. And so when students open it up, they can read somebody else's secret. And if they can read somebody's secret that's just like theirs, then they'll know that they're not alone. And if they know they're not alone, then there's hope. I can't wait for the day that I'll be able to give this book to some kid in a school, some kid that doesn't even know Jesus. Because when I'm able to give that to them, I will be able to think about my brother. And I will be able to say, God, thank you for taking my pain and turning it into a purpose. We're all going to go through something. But instead of holding on to your pain and your hurt, go to God. He will make a plan. He will do something with it. Because remember, you can't. Some of us in this room, we're dealing with depression. I'm telling you right now, take it to God. I don't know what or how to help, but if you take it to God, I promise out of that, he's either going to be produce a person that you need to go talk to. It's going to maybe produce a professional that you need to go see, or maybe it's going to produce a plan of action for you. But no matter what it is, bring it to God. For some of us in this room, maybe for you right now, you do not like what you see in the mirror, and you hate because you can see the things that you have done. You can see the struggles that you have faced. Or maybe for others of you, you're coming from a home right now that it's totally torn apart, and you feel like you are alone. You feel like you have to fight every single day. I don't know why you have to go through what you're going through, but I will tell you this, that you shall have joy. Why? You can't have joy on your own. You can only have joy when you go to God with it. Because remember, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing in your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and completely not lacking in anything. From that moment on, no matter what has happened in my life, I go, all right, God, it's not going to shake me. It's not going to throw me off. But I'm just going to keep coming back to you. I'm going to surround myself with people that encourage me to do so. And I'm going to keep pressing towards what you have. Find joy in your trials. Because if you bring them to God and it draws you closer, then there's no greater purpose. Right now, I'm going to call the worship team up. And as they come up, um, I want to tell you guys this one last story. And um, I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. But there's an actual story that goes along with that song. Because, see, there was a missionary that felt like he was called to go to this country and give the gospel 
to this tribe that was very closed off, to this tribe that knew nothing about Jesus. And so when he got to this tribe, they totally shut him out. They were like, you can't even stay inside of a village. And if you, if anybody's going to see you, you're going to have to get them as they're going to go get water or anything else. And so this missionary, he tried to reach out to these people, but everybody ignored who he was except for one person. He stopped the guy on the road, and they began to talk. The guy invited him to come to his hut, and he began to tell that guy about Jesus. And after a couple weeks of them meeting together, that man from that tribe said, I will accept your Jesus. And him and his whole family were baptized, and they lived for Jesus. But the chief in the tribe, he got angry. He got frustrated because this guy did not stop talking about Jesus. And he began to go to his other friends in the village, and he began to go, hey, you need to talk to this missionary about Jesus. It's going to change your life. And after the message started to spread, the, the king of the tribe, he was like, enough is enough. He called everybody into a big tent, a big hut, and he had the whole village there, and he placed this man and his family, his wife, his son, and his daughter right in the middle of the tent. And he goes, you need to tell us that your Jesus isn't true. And the man goes, I can't do that. And he goes, okay. So they got some bow and arrows. They pulled it back, and they go, if you do not tell us that your Jesus is not real, I will kill your son and your daughter. And that man said, I have decided that we follow Jesus, and I'm not going to turn back. They let go of the arrows, and they killed his wife and his son. And the king goes, if you do not deny your Jesus, I will kill your wife. And the man goes, I can't turn back. He killed his wife. And he goes, if you do not deny your Jesus, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, once you accept Jesus, you can't turn back. Killed him. In the midst of the whole village, looking at the dead bodies of that family, that king stood up and he began to cry. And he goes, if they were willing to give their lives for their Jesus, then he must be real. And that day, that missionary was brought into that tent, and he baptized every single person in the village. That man and his family, they did not know what was going to happen. But what they knew that during that time that they were being persecuted, that they were sitting in the middle of this tent, that all that mattered was they were close to Jesus, and they couldn't deny that. They couldn't deny the power that he had. They couldn't deny the truth that they had found. And their trial took their life, but it did not take their faith. And did not take their welcoming into heaven. 
And so that missionary, he went on to write that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I don't know what you're going through. I do not know your trial. But I do know we need to press on and get closer to God. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And I'm going to invite some of the Valley Forge team up here. And as they come up and as worship begins to go, I'm going to encourage every single person in here right now that if you are going through something, if maybe you are having that trial that you don't know how you can persevere, you can't see how God is going to mature your faith in this, then I'm going to ask you to come up and receive prayer. Sometimes when we fall, when we're in a trial, Sometimes people don't get back up because you don't have somebody pulling you up. This is why we have the family of God. So that when those trials do happen, and they will happen, you have people that will help you back up and say, keep going. You can do this. Just draw closer to him. So if you know that's you, as soon as worship begins, you come up here you find one of them, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that trial. Don't just come up here and be like, I'm going through stuff. Nope. We got to get specific about what it is that's going on, and that's what we can pray for. And so you tell them, and what they're going to do is they're going to pray for you, and then they're going to hug you, and they're going to tell you, don't look back. Keep going. Keep going. I'm going to pray, and then they're going to play. And if you know that's you, then you come up here and have joy because you are going to draw closer to the Lord through all of this. God, I just thank you. I thank you for in the midst of the hurt and in the midst of the troubles that come upon our life that we don't do it alone. That God, that we can go to you and through it all we can say thank you we can know that life goes beyond this moment life does not end just when misery but with you God there is always hope so God I pray for every single person in this room right now no matter what that trial may be that, God, that they're not looking in the future for relief, but they're getting peace of mind and knowing that you are there with them no matter how long it goes on. Thank you, God, for as much as we want to draw closer to us, to you, you want to even draw closer to us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.